this is Jeff Cobra, and we welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. Walt Disney World at 50, Life Magazine's opening coverage. On October 15, 1971, the world saw some of the first images of Walt Disney World as they spread across the pages of Life Magazine. We provide a deep dive of those pages and show you how the Vacation Kingdom of the World was first presented in this weekly news article. Here we'll study who was present when 1,500 cast members gathered together in front of Cinderella Castle for a portrait. We'll look at the original Disney characters and parades that appeared at the time. We'll explore the significance of attractions like the Hall of Presidents in the Country Bear Jamboree and we'll take a close look at what exactly the Magic Kingdom looked like only a day or two after the park opened on October 1st, as we look at an aerial photo that shows us what was happening. With the approaching anniversary of Walt Disney World, we examine more closely 50 years of magic. So join us for this podcast and be sure to check out DisneyAtPlay.com as we will take images from the magazine and show you what was actually going on in this exclusive article. Let's begin with the Life magazine cover. On the cover, it says Life Disney World Opens. In smaller print, 1,500 Disney employees in front of Cinderella Castle. At the bottom, it says October 15th, 1971, 50 cents, which was a lot of money back then. But you know what? Life was one of the premier magazines. If you're familiar with the right stuff, they had very exclusive uh, coverage of the astronauts, uh, the Apollo uh, astronauts, and uh, they really were a mainstay of any newsstand. They were really toward the front. And to that degree, they were able to take this first picture, according to Charlie Ridgway, who really was the one who uh, created this opportunity for this picture on the cover. And by the way, what the picture is, is Cinderella Castle and all its beauty with cast members lined up in front. He reckons, uh, he reckons that about half of the Walt Disney World cast members were present for this photo. That would be a lot more than 1,500 uh, if that were the case. I think it is closer to 1,500, as it says on the cover. This was taken apparently two days after... Um, the soft openings began. The soft openings began on October 1st. The grand opening was between, well, it was a kind of a three-day event of, of October 23rd to the 25th. What is happening here is this photo is being taken two days later, and it's being taken in the park prior to guest opening. And this photo, by the way, uh, live photo actually... Uh, submits another photo of this in another periodical they did about uh, two years ago called Inside Disney, Inside the Disney Parks, The Happiest Places on Earth. And it's a full magazine showing a lot of photos of Disney parks, although 
honestly, most of the photos are not, not most, but many, many of the photos are actually not life photos. They're just simply um, uh, from a, uh, a source of uh, photo banks um, that were available to them. This photo was taken by Life Magazine, and the photo they have inside that spread actually shows a wider shot of all the um, folks that were there for the photo. Right up front, you have Mickey and Minnie on a wrought iron bench. They are standing on top. Minnie is in her uh, yellow dress with uh, red ribbons, and that was really her look at the time of uh, opening at Walt Disney World. Um, flanked on each side are approximately, well, over 45 Disney characters that fill toward the front of the image. And they range all over. Um, Donald, Pluto, and Goofy are right by their side. Um, Pinocchio is there. Uh, Jock and Gus is there. Um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs are there. And even though Jack and Gus is there, you don't see Cinderella. I think she may be missing in this photo for some reason. Um, there are um, also, uh, there actually, there are only Two-Face uh, characters, Snow White and Alice, featured in these photos. And you have uh, characters like Dumbo. You have characters like uh, um, the elephant uh, Hathi. Hathi, um, from Jungle Book, along with Blue and Baloo and King Louie. You have uh, the some of the Aristocats from the band um, in their picture. You have Pancho, uh, Panchito, and uh, Jose in um, in the way background, and then you are then the whole forecourt is filled with the Walt Disney World cast. Directly behind Mickey and Minnie, standing in the center is Debbie Dane Brown, who was Walt Disney World's first ambassador. On each side of her is the Walt Disney World band. And then beyond, oh my goodness, you have so many individuals. You have actually to the left a lot of Disney's Polynesian uh, resort cast. To the right, you have many of um, the Disney's contemporary resort cast. You see a big grouping of Disney guest um, hostesses uh, from City Hall that would give the guests uh, tours. You see um, pretty much, uh, you can see the Jungle Cruise skippers. You can see uh, servers from Columbia Harbor House. You can see um, monorail drivers on the very far court. On, on one side, you have the fife and drum band that would play in Liberty Square. On the other side, you saw the cast and dancers for the Diamond Horseshoe. You had the banjo players in front of them. You had a country western band um, playing in another direction. On the right side, far right side, you could see the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea cast members. It, you can get the idea that every 
part of the Walt Disney World Resort is represented in this photo. There are four what appears to be trumpeters, probably from the Walt Disney World band, that are on the castle. Um, and what you also see, especially in the wider photo, is what Walt Disney World looks like at this moment in time. You can actually see some kind of crane on the far right on the pathway that leads out from Cinderella Castle toward Tomorrowland or toward the hub. Um, and you could see that there weren't a lot of tall trees <laughs> that, that were hiding a lot of the buildings and so forth during this time. Um, but it gives you a great glimpse as to what the cast of Walt Disney World looked like in 1971. Now let's open to the actual article itself. The headline says, Mickey opens in Florida, Disney moves east. The text reads, quote, the new site is Florida, but the air is pure old Disney. Who else could be responsible for this carefully crafted vision of the American past, the intricate, hokey, hugely expensive assemblage of lives and places that never were, Walt Disney World, which opened this month, is $400 million worth of amusement park, vacation resort, and planned model city enameled onto the scrub pine flats outside Orlando, Florida. The Disney trademark is all over it. The business-like use of fantasy, the no-nonsense approach to nonsense end of quote you can see by the way this is 1971 and the world has gone entered into kind of this this place of sarcasm and you could see kind of that little play on it you'll see the same thing in other writings that are done at that time time magazine is very similar and it's right up although they their publication will come out about two weeks later than this as i recall it goes on to say quote Disney World incorporates some lessons learned in the original gold mine called Disneyland that opened 16 years ago at Anaheim, California. Some changes are minor. At Orlando, the vinyl leaves on the Swiss Family Robinson tree are draped with Spanish moss. No such decoration at Anaheim. Disney World's 18-story Cinderella Castle is more than twice as high as its Anaheim counterpart and houses a lavish restaurant. Anaheim has only one president, an animated Abraham Lincoln, but Disney World's Hollow President offers all 36 of them in costume, in motion, and getting along famously. End of quote. Now, recall, right at this time is the height of Richard Nixon's presidency. He is the one in office. That's what brings us to a total of 36 presidents. Continuing on, quote, the biggest lesson Disney's people learned in Anaheim was on the periphery of the park, where a jungle of independent restaurants, hotels, and other amusements moved in. Quote, at Anaheim, says a Disney officer, we lost control of the environment. They also lost control of an estimated 500 million business created by Disneyland's draw. For these and other reasons, where Disneyland is just over 200 acres, Disney World is gigantic, 27,400 acres. With two Disney-run hotels built and three more planned, 
with a Disney-run transit system already shuttling the first of this year's estimated 10 million visitors around. Control of the environment and the money-making is not likely to escape again. End of quote. So they're, they're offering up kind of this overall view of what makes Walt Disney World stand out differently than Disneyland. The image accompanying this particular page also helps to define that difference. Here we see a very compressed photo, probably taken from Cinderella Castle, but it's a very tight shot, meaning everything is kind of compressed, of Main Street USA. It's looking right onto the train station and the train station platform at night. And what we see is a lot of guests. Um, we see a lot of twinkling lights. In fact, uh, it says as the caption, visitors throng Walt Disney World's Main Street, a flag-waving, light bulb-bedecked version of a turn-of-the-century American town. Note that when you study this image, a couple of things, you'll see uh, that the horse-drawn trolley is working and it's nighttime. And I would say that given it's around October 1st, we're talking about probably operating at about 7 p.m. in the evening. That was typical, still is typical at times at Disneyland. It was typical back then at Walt Disney World. You see a particular set of um, pieces of signage. You'll see uh, cards listed on the right side, meaning that there was actually an individual store that sold greeting cards to guests. On the other side, you'll see a GAF um, film corner, um, which was the GAF center that was on that corner. And then in front of it, or moving toward the castle, you'll see the market house, which now offers what is uh, your Starbucks collection. On the other side of the page, we see Mickey Mouse leading the band, followed by Disney characters, followed by a... Um, electric Main Street vehicle. And this is essentially the parade in the early days of Walt Disney World. In fact, I really am hard pressed to think of another parade that really took place prior to America on Parade in 1975. Um, during those first years, that was pretty much the... Um, the parade approach was just um, following the band down the street. And in fact, American Parade, one of the things that made it distinct to include the electrical parade, which was premiering just after uh, Walt Disney World's opening in uh, Disneyland, um, those parades had recorded music and that was not the norm uh, prior to this. So this is probably one of the one of the last times where the band is providing really the music uh, for the for the parade and there really are no floats uh, as part of this now turning to the next page we have a full blown um, aerial view of the Magic Kingdom and this is probably the very best part of this uh, entire life magazine experience because we see pretty much at opening what the Magic Kingdom looked like in its very early opening days. And for me, I think they take the best 
um, perspective or view of it, the view is actually from the Frontierland side looking across with the Contemporary Resort way in the distance and so forth. And I'll just read the text and then I'll go into what I observe looking at this photo image. At the heart of Disney World's 27,400 acres is the Magic Kingdom, foreground, a theme park much like Disneyland's, much like California's Disneyland. A stern wheeler offers a winding cruise of the Rivers of America in the foreground, uh, which is true. They did have um, a stern wheeler at that time. Um, the red brick Haunted Mansion, far left, Cinderella Castle Center, and Main Street, upper right, are Disney landmarks. The most striking differences are outside the park, where the A-shaped Contemporary Resort, top center, straddles a strip of land between the Natural Bay Lake, left, and the Disney-made Seven Seas Lagoon, right. Boats, trams, and a monorail passing through the hotel lobby shuttle visitors around the park. 15 miles from Orlando, Walt Disney World aims to be a year-round vacation spot offering golf courses, horseback riding, and water sports, as well as the diversions of the Magic Kingdom. Disney already employs 6,000 people, but despite its acknowledged spur to the economy, some residents worry about rising prices, traffic jams, unbridled development, and, quote, relatives coming in out of nowhere to visit, end of quote. The project takes rates passing grades from many environmentalists, although they fear further land use on the periphery of the project may deplete and pollute the region's water. Um, I will assure you the um, unbridled development did occur, and the relatives coming in and out of nowhere to visit is definitely a part. Now, let's dissect this uh, fantastic aerial photo. Uh, what you see here, let's, let's, um, uh, let's start with the far back side of Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland, very little was opened up and ready to go. However, the front buildings on the left and right were there, along with the towers, which had the shooting water coming down it. Now, at Tokyo, they imitated these same towers. Only the difference between that may be that Tokyo was able to kind of, um, in winter weather, uh, bring the water down the tower from behind rather than in front to keep the wind from pushing it. I don't know if that was the case at um, Magic Kingdom, but at any rate, those two water towers uh, that are so distinct to the original Tomorrowland are seen there. You see the Skyway and you see the, um, October, uh, the, the Speedway um, in motion. Nothing else is there other than the two front buildings, the, the Skyway and the Speedway. And so what there is is kind of a fencing that kind of blocks out what would be the area around Carousel of Progress and so forth. Space Mountain hasn't even begun to be under construction. This is a very early, early Tomorrowland um, that is still awaiting its big addition that will come a few years later. 
moving toward Fantasyland, one of the interesting things, now we, we know this is an image, we know that they took the picture in front of the castle two days after October 1st. So it must have been October 3rd, according to Charlie. It, by the way, the life was published on um, October 15th. So you kind of get that sense as well. But when you, and you see people in the park. So this definitely seems like, in fact, do you see guests in line in a, in a fairly, not lengthy line, but you see them in a stretch line in front of the Haunted Mansion. So you know that we definitely have more than just a sparse little bunch of guests. It isn't overflowing with traffic by any means, but it is um, it is open for business. And yet, one looks at the 20,000 leagues under the sea and clearly it does not appear that the lagoon has actually been filled for that attraction. That attraction looks like it still um, is needing to be completed uh, before it opens up. My guess it was probably filled and ready to go. By the way, there are no photos of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which probably would have been highlighted more in this Life magazine. Probably was taken care of by the time of the official opening on the dates of 23rd to the 25th. But at this point, there is nothing. You do see the show building um, behind where the subs uh, go, which actually is the same footprint as the uh, Little Mermaid Under the Sea attraction nowadays. You also see it's a small world there. You see the Skyway. And you can even detect what seems to be a path leading to the Skyway in Fantasyland. You also see the Skyway in Tomorrowland. So uh, you see those stations, though. Um, moving toward Liberty Square, the Haunted Mansion was actually the first attraction to be completed. And you see the house, the manor house in front. And then you see a very, very big show building in back that most guests have no idea is back there. But there is a very big show building back there. All of that was the first to be completed because it was built, the the animatronics and props and everything for that attraction was all built simultaneously with the development of Disneyland's Haunted Mansion, which opened in 1969. So they, they literally got this thing taken care of, almost put it under wraps and waited uh, another, I think it was two years for the rest of the park to catch up. You do see the um, steamboat in front at the dock. You see the rivers of America. Um, you don't see anything on Tom Sawyer's Island. In fact, you don't even see the bridge that, that takes you from the front island to the rear island. You don't see the fort. You don't see the house that would be continually burning. Uh, none of those elements are there. In the foreground, you do see that um, the canoes have a position and they have a dock and everything, and you see a canoe out in the water. So you know that is happening. Um, but other than a short, um, and, and it looks like the at this point that um, the canoes were occupying the space that later the rafts to Tom Sawyer Island would eventually take. Actually, that's not entirely true. Looking at this, um, you, what you're really looking at is what would eventually kind of become that area where Splash Mountain would kind of do the big drop and turn. 
um, after it comes out of the mountain. That's about the area where you see that occurring uh, for the canoes. Behind it, you see a whole bunch. It's, there's a front portion that has, has grass on it, no trees. And then behind all that, you see areas that are just completely dirt. You do see very little the original um, the original railroad, railway station in Frontierland uh, that would occur. And by the way, based on the shadows of that train station and other images in here, you sense that we're pretty pretty much later in the day, that probably this was taken about four or five in the afternoon, is my guess uh, on this. Um, but there is not even a path that has been carved to the train station. At this point, the train must have just simply been um, coming past the station and moving on, not really being used as a station yet, because there's no pathway leading to that. Also very interesting is the entire Caribbean Plaza in Adventureland. The road continues past a tropical serenade for a few feet and then there's a wall and it stops. There is a road behind there, but there is, and there's actually grass planted in one portion, but there is no, um, nothing being done yet, no construction nor anything being done. What is interesting is that there is a road that goes underneath a bridge of the train. And as I look at this, and by the way, again, all of this we're going to show on our website. So you could refer to our Disney at Play uh, post for this because you could see all the things that I am referencing here. And what's interesting is you see that there is this road that leads underneath. And I can't help looking at that and think, thinking this is eventually going to be that Segway space that leads boats to and from the, um, the loading docks of Pirates of the Caribbean into the show uh, location. So anyway, this is a fascinating view of Walt Disney World at times. White sand beaches along of the Seven Seas Lagoon, even a couple of boats out there. Um, Charlie would talk about how by press event, they would they would literally take some of the cast members and say, go get on that boat. So they'd stage boats out there to make it kind of look like it. Now, by the way, Look Magazine also did a spread, very pictorial spread. They actually came in earlier and Charlie had to stage most of those images because a lot of the construction had not been done previously. We go to the next page and the headline says the animal star on stage and street. And you see images of Jose Carioca in front of a little souvenir stand in Frontierland, pretty much where the path ends in Frontierland or before it takes a turn to the canoes. You see Tigger in front of the main street station and you see Giuseppe Cat um, from Aristocats in Fantasyland. You also see Pluto in front with a couple of children and Minnie in her yellow dress uh, in front with a small little boy who in 1971, I swear this is me. Uh, it's not me, but it, this is what me looked like in 1971. So I'm, I'm quite humored. You see Br'er Bear and Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Fox with an older individual and then Donald Duck with uh, a small girl who has a pink 
uh, Mickey Mouse hat. In the middle of this is the Mickey Mouse review, which says the Disney, and underneath the text for this says, the Disney empire, which began in 1927 with a man, the late Walt Disney, and a mouse named Mickey, now includes hotels, resorts, uh, amusement parks, motion picture and TV production, and merchandising. In 1970, the burgeoning company grossed $167 million. The Disney organization treats its founding figures and all their many descendants reverently, with the highest place belonging to Mickey. His face, a clever blend of flowers, decorates the lawn at the main entrance to the Magic Kingdom. A costumed Mickey leads frequent parades on Main Street and greets visitors. An electronic, animated, speaking Mickey, audio-animatronic in Disney Ease, leads an orchestra of colleagues in the Mickey Mouse musical review. And what you have is a very nice close-up shot above this big shot. It's a finale shot where, and you know it's a finale shot because you can see Snow White and a little bit of the Seven Dwarfs in the background. Snow White is with her forest friends, and then Seven Dwarfs are in another location, and they all come out at the end for the finale. And you see Mickey in the very front in his uh, tux uh, leading the orchestra on a red carpet pedestal with animals such as Huey, Dewey, and Louie, um, uh, Ludwig von Drake, um, and others, Pluto, uh, doing Pluto does symbols and uh, playing in the orchestra, which was the Mickey Mouse review. Um, and then on the back page, we end this article with a big picture of Big Al. And on it, it says, Gloomy Crooner, a melancholy, oh, I'm sorry, a melancholy electronic balladeer named Big Al stars with the Country Bear Jamboree. Other new Disney shows attempt to evoke nostalgia, parentheses, the Mickey Mouse review, or indulge in straightforward flag-waving, parentheses, the Hall of Presidents. But the Country Bear Jamboree offers simple comedy with 18 electronically controlled bears performing lively hillbilly numbers. Uh, what I love about this is it really does express well what was working and what was popular at the time. If you go back to that spread image of the aerial view of Magic Kingdom in reference to the Country Bear Jamboree, you pretty well see that even though you could still go on to Pecos Bill, the last major attraction that you went to was in that corner of the park was Country Bear Jamboree. By and large, you if you were in Adventureland, you went to the Jungle Cruise, you went to Tropical Serenade, you came through that little area in between, hit the Country Bear Jamboree, and then you veered on toward uh, Liberty Square, maybe saw the Diamond Horseshoe, maybe continued on to the Hall of Presidents or the Haunted Mansion. But you didn't really go on unless you had this need to go ride a canoe. Very little went on, and that's what created the Country Bear Jamboree's uh, success early on. That's what made it a mainstay part of the Magic Kingdom because it was really a bookend. I mean, there wasn't even an equivalent bookend in Tomorrowland at the time because nothing had been built in Tomorrowland other than Skyway and the Autopia. There was no Space Mountain yet. This was a complete bookend. I love this 
Life Magazine um, review because it gives you a sense of what it was like 50 years ago at Walt Disney World. What an amazing time. Um, what, uh, I mean, really, Disney barely knew what it was doing at that time, but did it in a way that was astounding, major, um, just really beyond uh, anything. It was so immense in size and scope for its time, and uh, it has continued to grow and delight uh, millions and millions of guests uh, to this day. I hope you've enjoyed this little visit as we prepare for the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World. We want to continue sharing some little, some little pieces like that that give us a glimpse of what the magic was like back in 1971, 50 years ago. If you want more of the magic, please make sure you check out our Patreon page which has interactive apps that feature the parks today, but also looks at the parks yesterday in the past and attractions that are no longer there. So many different kinds of apps and activities. And it's all part of what is offered to you when you help support this podcast and the other things we do at Disney at Play, as well as Disney at Work.com. Disney at Play.com, Disney at Work.com. Please subscribe to this podcast please subscribe to our websites please check out j jeff cober which offers um some wonderful videos that we have from walt disney world but other parks tokyo disney um and so forth check um hong kong disneyland all of that please check out that it's j jeff cober that's our youtube channel if you like what you see if you like what you see and hear on our podcast, would you do us a favor? Head on out to iTunes. Give us a friendly rating or even better, a friendly review. It helps the littlest podcast that could to, uh, to get the word out to all those who want to know more about the magic of Disney. Finally, in the words of Sinbad's Storybook Voyage, always remember, follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We will see you real soon.